one, two, three. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being a good football team. Three-step drop, throws to the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. No matter what helps you feel whole, swimming, laughing, or finding peaceful moments in your day, Advent Health is here to support you with world-class expertise and whole-person care. Because feeling whole always begins at AdventHealth.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access. We have head coach Todd Bowles here with us. And man, coach, I just what a fun game uh, to be a part of. I imagine for you, it was so fun for all of us that were watching it. And, and just congratulations on advancing to the next round. How did this feel in the moment when you guys won? You go in the locker room, you're celebrating with the guys. Try to explain what that's like to all the rest of us. It was great because it was genuine happiness and they were like kids on Christmas. And that, that was so great to see after going through some of the trials we went through this year, to see those guys smiling in the locker room made it all worthwhile, to see the coaches very happy, see the organization happy, and everybody knowing the things that we've been projected to do compared to the things we've done already and still going is very gratifying. But you can't get complacent there. We want more. And for you, getting your first playoff win as a head coach, what does that mean to you personally? What did that feel like compared to what you'd maybe pictured? Honestly, I never thought about it at the time, and I probably still don't. And I want to see this thing through before I sit back and look at that and see how far we can go. So last matchup for the Eagles, 11 points, You know, this time 32, last time 41 yards rushing, this time 119. I mean, we could go on and on with this in terms of Baker's stats and the difference in the first game versus the second game. You almost just couldn't ask for more of a direct 180 in terms of that game to this game and what you guys were trying to do. How would you explain big picture the way you're able to make that big of a shift and adjustment from that first game to this one? We made so many mistakes the first time, and they played very well the first time. We vowed that that was not going to happen this time, and however they beat us, they were not going to beat us like they beat us the first time. And we changed offensively, we changed defensively, and we added some things, and everything clicked and everything worked, and the guys took it and ran. It is crazy looking at these playoffs how I think it's eight straight games that the playoff game is a regular season rematch. Do you prefer that of getting sort of a second shot at a team? Would you prefer having it be a a fresh start against someone you hadn't played this year? Because here you are again with another one at the Lions. It's a regular season rematch. In this case, I prefer somebody I've played before because it's a short week. Mm. If somebody hasn't played it, it would make it a long, long night. Um, you try to see what they did earlier and see if it matches what you did before, how they try to attack you, what they did well, what we didn't do well, what we did do well. And you kind of go from there. But, you know, no matter who you play in the playoffs now, it's going to be tough. Detroit's a tough team. Uh, Philly was a tough team yesterday, and it just goes on and on. There's no easy road to the Super Bowl. What felt different offensively specifically this game as compared to not just the first Eagles game, but even just these last couple regular season games, particularly when it comes to the passing game? I know they had four sacks, but the protection was better. Uh, He had time to throw the ball. He was throwing on rhythm. Um, The guys were getting open down there. They were giving them time to throw, and we were executing for the most part. Even with some of the drop balls, we were still executing. Which has to be reassuring that even with some of those drops still putting up that many points and that many yards and plays. Um, 
What did you see from Baker specifically? Knowing you know, first QB ever for us to throw for over 300 yards and three touchdown passes in a playoff game. And before this, Brady had the top five playoff games in terms of yards, and now Baker slipped in there with the third most of any Bucks quarterback ever in the postseason. What was so prolific for him in this game? He was great. He was locked in from the get go. Um, his college coach was here, so Lincoln Riley might have had some things <laughs> to do with that right there, and he wanted to impress his college coach. But he was locked in. He was he was on point. He was letting the ball go on rhythm for the most part, uh, putting it on a dime, and he played winning football. And you know that that's that says a lot about him. He didn't try to run too many times, and the guys were getting open for him. And he was he was finding the open guys, finding Demo and finding Palmer and finding Cade and guys that weren't Mike and Chris was outstanding. Yeah, five different guys with over 20-yard receptions. Touchdowns from David Moore and Trey Palmer. I'm sure if people had a bingo card of things they expected to happen in the game, maybe not as many would have been checked off of these. What does that mean about this offense at this point in the season, and especially in the playoffs, to know that you are not just reliant on a Mike Evans or even just a Rashad White to get things done? What did that say, and what is that going to mean moving forward? That it's grown, you know, it's grown and there's a lot more trust throughout the entire offense and not just on two guys or three guys if you count Rashad in there. There's a lot of trust that guys are going to be where they're supposed to be. They're going to catch it if you throw it to them and they're going to make plays. I mean, what a night for Cade. Uh, new career highs in catches and yards and his eight catches are a new franchise record for catches by a tight end in the postseason. Um, what an incredible, right? I know it's pretty. It's a pretty crazy stat, wow. particularly when Gronk has uh, played for this franchise and Cam Bray has some pretty crazy stats. But um, what are the things that stand out to you about him of knowing that we had talked about how gritty he's been in his uh, playing every dang snap and all the things he does for this team that maybe aren't those stats, but then to also have, be able to have a game in a big moment like this with all those catches? Nothing's too big for Kate. You know, he's always where he's supposed to be. Baker trusts him wholeheartedly. His routes are on point. Um, his, his hands are typically on point. I know he dropped the one way he could have ran, but he, he, he does such a great job of being where he's supposed to be and anywhere close. His catch radius has been outstanding for us this year and can't say enough about him. He, he's been a silent killer. And Trey's touchdown, uh, take us through this one a little bit. It's just the second times, second time that the Bucks have had two touchdown passes of 40-plus yards in the same postseason game. Uh, this is the longest postseason touchdown catch in franchise history. Tell me about that play. Wow. Well, they missed a tackle, and then you saw that 4-3-3 speed. I mean, he turned the Jets on. You could really see him moving right there, and nobody was going to catch him. Yeah, and what can that bring to the offense? And just in general, now that he has basically a full season under his belt, as a guy that, what do you see as his potential for this offense, knowing that he does have that kind of speed when he gets a chance to use it? Unlimited, and, and he's not just a speed guy. He's running routes. Uh, he blocks very well. He's very tough. He's very comfortable in the system. He ran a reverse, and he ran that well. He's doing some very good things that's helping him grow as a receiver. I think Brad does a great job with him understanding game plans and where he is and how to do things and get out of, in and out of certain routes, and you're really seeing it come true. How about uh, David Moore's touchdown and just his big game overall, first of all, on his birthday, which you got to love that for him. A um, couple huge plays in, in this game, especially early on when things were still pretty, pretty close. It was not an inevitable win at this point. What did that mean? And, and tell us what you saw from him on those two big plays. It was huge from Dave because he was on the practice squad most of the year and he worked hard every day. And when we brought him up, he was no different. You know, he's not the fastest, 
but he's a savvy vet. He knows how to get open. He has outstanding hands, and he has deceptive moves. And when you see him, he broke quite a few tackles to get in the end zone. I think he had another player early in the year like that, and he did a great job of not putting the ball out too early when he crossed the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, those small keys there. Uh, how about Chris Godwin's uh, touchdown? It looked like it was exactly as you guys drew it up. Am I right? <laughs> it was an all-out blitz. It yep. was an all-out blitz, and Baker knew he had to throw it up. And if you throw it up to Chris and Mike, they're going to make a play. Chris made a great adjustment on the ball and backed in the end zone. So I know that it was not necessarily the biggest game for, you know, Mike and Chris, but especially, you know, for Mike, we saw that this is the beauty of the offense, being able to dish it to other people. But what were some of the things that they were doing well to limit Mike in this one? Well, they didn't limit him. He had some chances on the deep ball. He could have caught one. I know he'd like to have back. The other one would have been a tough catch, but he had some early catches underneath. And then we were just spreading it around. The other guys were so wide open, you had to throw it to them. And, you know, between the run game opening things up and the other guys making catch and run plays, it really helps out when we can expand their offense and get other people involved. We're talking to head coach Todd Bowles. Let's talk a little bit about your defense here. I mean, nine points on the night tied for the second fewest points allowed in a postseason game in team history. What are you most proud of for your defense for in this game? That they were really physical up front and they played the run way better than we played it the first time when they got over 200 yards. What was so different particularly in the run game for you? Well, we changed a couple fronts for number one. Uh, we got on and got off of blocks. That was the biggest thing. We played fast, we played downhill, and those guys played off of each other and they communicated. That helped us out a great deal. What is that like for you as a coach to dial up a very different, unique front? We saw it with yeah, having six guys out on the line a lot and rotating the guys different positions maybe than they're typically used to, whether it's Zion being moved around you know, in, in that. What are the challenges it, it, late in a season with that, but then also how exciting for you that you can show that kind of creativity and difference and, and your team be able to pick it up? Late in the season, it's pretty good because they have a good grasp of the system right now. Then you try to accentuate their talents by letting them do what they do well. And it's different every week for different guys. You know, one week it might be Ryan, one week it might be Zion, one week it might be Merriweather, one, one week it might be D. Depending on what we're trying to do and what your special skill set is, we try to put those guys in those positions to be successful. And this week, it was the, that down on the D-line, it was Gaines, it was Will, it was uh, Pat O'Connor. So those guys are embracing seeing the game plans every week, seeing how it fits in, and they're going out executing. To hold a team to zero of nine on third down and zero of two on fourth down, I mean, it's just <clears throat> the third time in team history to hold a team to no third down conversions. Like, I don't care who it is. I don't care that the Eagles maybe struggled down the stretch to not let a team convert a third or fourth down is so rare in this league. Um, what do you feel like led to this game being the one that that happened, and, and what were some of the individual things that stood out to you that your team did on those downs? I didn't even know that until after the game when I saw it, um, when somebody told me. But we tried to get some pressure on them. We know they like to get four and five guys out, so we tried to get some pressure on them, give them some different looks where we can hit them and get to them fast right away as opposed to it taking some time going in a roundabout way. Uh, the front guys executed, the back guys covered, and, you know, they played well, and we were getting the ball out. And you stopped the brotherly shove, the tush-push, whatever you want to call it. How exciting was that for you, knowing how much that play had gotten hyped up this year by fans and talked about it so much, and knowing how good they have been with it to be able to stop it and just what it seemed to mean to the momentum of the game at that time? 
It was great that we stopped it, but it was great that we only got into it one time. I think the last game we got into it about four times, and we only stopped it once. So keeping them out of third and short was a big deal for us. Those guys take a lot of pride up front trying to do things right, and they made a heck of a play. And uh, tell us a little bit about that safety, Anthony Nelson's pressure and, and what he brought there, and, and what a again, same thing for what the momentum, what that was like for the game. Ironically, that was one of the few times we brought four, and I think uh, Canty had flushed him out that way, and Nelson did a great job spinning back out and going to finish the play. He didn't go for the fake. He didn't go for the pump fakes. He went down and finished the play, and Nelson's always in the right space at the right time. And what did you see from our corners specifically in this game? They played well. We left them out there quite a bit. There were a few zero pressures out there where they had to come make some plays. Uh, Carl made a big play in the end zone on the fourth down play. Dean had some great tackles out on the edge. They weren't catching and running, which was huge for us going into this game because they're a great catch and run team. So now looking ahead to this Lions matchup, what stands out to you now about the first matchup against the Lions and same thing of kind of the way it was with the Eagles of both teams being a little bit different at this point? What do you think is going to apply well from that first game and what maybe is different at this point? I don't think anything's going to apply well other than you know the guy across from you. I think they're different and we're different, like you said, but at the start of the game is going to be very important for us because the crowd will be electric for them. Uh, they're going to the divisional round for the first time in a while. Dan's got those guys playing well. They're very talented. Uh, they, had a, they have a lot of mental toughness. They believe in themselves just like we do. So getting off to a good start and matching their energy is going to be important. Uh, take me through some of the guys on their offense. We know they've got a lot of different weapons, a lot of different ways to beat you. What stands out as you game plan against them? Oof. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that sound already, that other, says a lot. <laughs> other than the quarterback playing great, uh, golf is doing a heck of a job getting out the ball out, getting it to the playmakers. They got two great running backs, Montgomery and Gibbs. Uh, they're like fire and water. One pounds you, one out quicks you. They have three, if not four, great receivers, whether it's speed, whether it's elusiveness as far as moves with its power um, their offensive line is very very good a lot of experience there they probably got one of the best tight ends in the league and Laporta they really have two of them but they have a lot of talent they can spread the ball around they do a great job getting into their playmakers and it's not one guy that's going to beat us they can beat you in so many different ways that we got to be disciplined we got to be fast and we got to we're gonna have to make plays to win and then how about on the defensive side of things for them, what stands out? Extremely tough up front. You know, they got the edge guys and they're tough up in the middle. Uh, they're going to put a lot of pressure on you. They're very physical. Since they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back in the secondary and Branch, uh, neither of them played the first time we played them. Very good football players. Their corners are playing well. They're ball hawks. So it's going to be a challenge for us. The playoffs are so often not about what you've done at all the whole year until that moment. It's who's playing at what level at the right time. What are the things about this team that as you look at it, you say, you know what, we're doing the right things at the right time to be peaking now? Not getting a lot of penalties, number one. Um, playing fast, playing physical, and communicating. That, that's, a, that's a telltale sign of a team that's ascending toward the end of the year, and we're doing that. And then you guys have outscored opponents 227 to 163 in postseason since the 2020 season, which is the league's largest postseason point differential in that time. What does that stat say to you? What stands out to you about these last few years in the postseason in particular? Right. We've been scoring points. Hopefully we've been getting turnovers and we come to play and we make, it, we make very few mistakes. Hopefully that can continue. 
Well, Coach, thank you so much. We appreciate your time as always. We hope you have a lot of success up in Detroit. Good luck. Thank you. All right. And coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we will have Buck senior writer and editor Scott Smith brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gun. Matt Prescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White, linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. First half of the show, we had head coach Todd Bowles. Now I am so excited to be joined by my partner in crime from Buccaneers.com, the senior writer and editor, Scott Smith. Scott, thanks for being with us. I guess the first 15 or so people he asked must have said no. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it is week 17, 18, yeah, you know. I've been waiting for my shot. I know. Now, I mean, look, uh, could I have given you a better time to come on the Good show, point. though? In Good that point. fairness, Thank it is that. late in the year, but I gave you just the gift on a platter that is one of the most fun games. And actually, right before coming on here, you and I were talking about that, that this just was one of the most enjoyable Bucks wins we can remember. The, the emotions behind it and the feeling of it, there's just something about it that was so cool. And it's not in... It's not, I don't get that feeling after sitting on it for 24 hours. I was in the press box last night and we were talking. I was like, this one just hit differently. Yeah. Like, I felt so different about this game than any of the other wins we've had this year. And uh, you said maybe it's because the Eagles. <laughs> I don't know. Is there, I guess maybe part of it is kind of nervous going into that game. I had a good feeling. I thought the Buccaneers would probably win, but anything can happen. And then the game was tenuous for a while. And there were good plays and bad plays, and even the bad plays, like some of the drops were at least like they were interesting. I was like, this is an interesting game the way this is unfolding. So uh, it was a great experience. And from what I understand, it was a great experience out in the stands too. That the yes. fans really brought it. Very great atmosphere, which was awesome. Um, and let's just think about this. I think part of it is maybe the fact that it is a regular season rematch of a, a loss that was a tough one right. early in the year. So the last matchup. You get 11 points, 41 yards rushing. Baker had 146 yards and an interception. We gave up 201 rushing yards. Then on the flip side this game, you score 32, you get 119 rushing yards, 337 yards for Baker, three touchdowns, no interceptions, gave up just 42 yards rushing. I mean, that is the most dramatic reversal 180 flip that you would want to see. Why was this game so dramatically different, particularly in those stat categories? Yeah, and by the way, that was the only game all year where Baker threw an interception and didn't throw a touchdown. Wow. Uh, so that's a good stat for him. That one, I'm talking about yeah, the, the week three one. one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's what the coaches and players were saying, mostly about the Bucks, but also about the Eagles heading into the game, is that these teams were not the same in week, what is it, 19, as they were in week three. Uh, the Buccaneers' offense had really come together. I mean, I know the last couple of weeks of the regular season weren't great in that, from that standpoint, but the month leading up to that, the offense seemed to really be figuring out what it does well. Dave Canales, and he's been very open about this whole process of his first year as a play caller. And, and along the way, he said, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning and I'm figuring out when to call things and figuring out you know, what works best for our players and what, what does Rashad White do best? What runs are best for him? That kind of thing. And it all started to come together at the end. So the Bucks in Week Three were just figuring things out. I mean, it was Baker Mayfield's third regular season start. Um, he wasn't in the groove yet that he was in last night and for most of December. And, and and on the flip side, the Eagles, I can't explain exactly why, but their defense really kind of cratered for the last six or seven games of the season. So they weren't playing the same type of defense they were playing when they came to us. And you saw that particularly in the run, the run game. The Bucks getting 119 rushing yards. And only giving up, what, 41, something like that? Mm -hmm. Like 42? 42, that's, yeah. Like you said, it's a complete reversal of the last game. And it's just, 
neither of those results were particularly surprising if you only watched like the last month of the season. If you saw what the what the Buccaneers were doing and what the Eagles were doing, you wouldn't be shocked at this happening. So I just think you're talking about two very different teams three or four months apart. Yeah, I agree with that. And especially uh, Baker, I, I felt like there was definitely a shift too from these last couple um, games of the season where he just looked so much healthier and I wasn't terrified when he was scrambling, which was a bit of a shift right. from the week before. Um, he became the first quarterback ever for the Bucks to throw for over 300 yards and three touchdown passes in a playoff game. And before that game, Brady had the top five playoff games in passing <laughs> yards, and then Baker's ended up ranking third at all time in that. So why do you feel like this game was the sort of resurgence of the Baker we had seen in that stretch you talked about that was so good? Well, there's a number of factors. First of all, like you said, he probably was feeling better. I mean, we don't know how good he's feeling because he also had picked up an ankle injury the week before, but he looked certainly looked spry. He got another factor is he got very good protection from the tackles against some good pass rushers. I, I saw an NFL Next Gen stat earlier today that showed that Luke Gedeke didn't give up a single pressure to um, – uh, Hassan Reddick mm -hmm. and and on like 25 pass rushes, rushes. That's great. And Tristan Wurst only gave up one. So there were four sacks in the game. It wasn't a perfect clean game, mm -hmm. but for the most time, for the most part, he had time to throw and to find people. Mm -hmm. And and then thirdly, I would say, I was really struck by the play calling by Dave Canales in this game. I thought it was creative. Um, I thought he was really scheming guys open, like, which is, you know, that's the platonic ideal. That's what you want yeah. out of a play caller and a scheme design. And, um, you know, he, he was putting the ball in the hands of players like even Kate Otten, who you don't think of as a big yak guy, but he was putting the ball in their hands in ways that they could um, gain yards after the mm -hmm. catch. You saw all that, of course, from the incredible efforts from David Moore and, and Trey Palmer on those touchdowns. But the Buccaneers had... I, I don't know if I'm remembering this exactly, but it's close. It was like 210 yards of yak. Wow. Yards of yak is kind of redundant yeah. since the yeah. Y stands for yards. But yards after the catch in that game, that's the most they've had all season. So Baker's time to throw when he wasn't pressured was only about 2.3 seconds, which is pretty low. So he wasn't getting pressured. He was quickly getting rid of the ball, and he was putting on the money. And that's despite the fact that, I mean, we got to be honest here, there was like four drop passes in that game. Yeah. I mean, four just flat-out drops mm -hmm. that could have been big plays. Now, in some cases, like, I, I think Mike had one deep near the end zone, and you're like, oh, you lost, like, 50 yards there. Well, not really, because two plays later, David Moore had the 45-yard play yeah. that he wouldn't have had right. had Mike scored. So um, some of the times they picked that up, but still, despite an uncharacteristic amount of drops by the Bucks pass catchers, um, it was still a really good statistical night for Baker, and I think he was, save for one or two throws, he was just really accurate and on time and putting it, in their hands in a way that they could run with it. Yeah, and that's got to be such an encouraging thing, um, like you said, to have those kind of drops that were there and available. Yeah. What, what this says about the offense and how powerful it can be. Uh, we're talking to Buccaneers senior writer and editor Scott Smith. Um, and you brought up Kate Otten, David Moore. It was such a big night for the, I guess you could call it, secondary offensive weapons, that it's not necessarily Mike or Chris. Um, the guys that are, it's Cade, it's Trey Palmer, it's David Moore, it's not necessarily the people that you would on your fantasy team most expect to use. Um, and it, what did that say to you about this offense and just each of those guys and, and the role they've come to have in this offense at this point? Well, it's more more along the lines of what um, Dave Canales has said from the beginning about how to make this offense work with Baker Mayfield and his skill set was we're going to give you simple things. We're going to give you easy things. Take the easy things. And every now and then when the time is right and it's and you see it, 
go for the shot, which he did several times. Um, the deep balls didn't really work out, the, except for the last one, the Chris Godwin. But he, I went into that game looking at the stats, the fact that Philly was stopping the run very well, but really porous against the pass, especially in you know down the stretch of the season. I thought for the Bucks to win this game, Mike and or Chris have to have big games. I really thought that was the case. And as you just said, they didn't really have big games. They, they weren't bad or anything, but Mike and Chris combined for what uh, – Seven catches for 93 yards. That's not a big outing for the two of them combined. But uh, they were doubling, at times they were doubling both of those guys. And so obviously the Eagles also felt like that was the key. They had to stop them, right? And so when they did, he threw it to Cade. Yeah. He threw it to Payne Durham once for 18 yards. He took the open man. Isn't that also what Baker said all week leading up to the game in his press conferences? He said something along the lines of, I just need to take what's there. Yes. I, I need to take the, the easy, the obvious, the what's there, not be trying to force things. And right. man, like, I love when you hear a guy say what he is focusing on during the week and then you get to watch the fruit it. of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's so great. And Kate Otten, um, man, he has played more snaps this year in this offense. The, even on games where maybe the stat sheet doesn't show as much as a game like last night where, you know, he gets new career highs and catches and yards and his eight catches are a new franchise record for catches by a tight end in the postseason. Um, what has he meant to this offense, both in a game like last night where he's such a big pass catcher, but especially in the games where we don't see those numbers maybe? He's meant a ton, and you're you're probably underselling it here. The amount of snaps that he's played for a tight end is unprecedented for the Buccaneers. I haven't looked up the numbers yet because you know we're still in the playoffs, but I would imagine it's the most snaps in a season for a tight end because there's been a couple times this season, maybe three, where he's played every single offensive snaps, every single offensive snap in the game. And I went back and looked through the database and only found one other time that ever happened. And that was one time with Austin Severian Jenkins. So he's wow. doing it multiple times. And when he doesn't play 100%, he's usually at about 95. So I think he played all but maybe four snaps in this last game. So he's out there because you trust him to do all the things that a tight end does, both blocking and receiving. And as coaches said about him, every time he's asked, he just does everything right. Mm. He's always where you expect him to be. He's always doing the thing he's supposed to do. And like you said, that's kind of a hidden thing in an offense that you don't see. And then when it came, when the circumstances were right and we needed to throw the ball to him a lot, he made it work. Yeah. He was productive. I think he had one drop, maybe two, but he still caught eight passes right And yards. I mean, I think that says so much about him, too, to be able to bounce back from that. He's still such a young player. You know, we forget that, that he's still only in his second year. Yeah. <laughs> and yet to be able to have those kind of drops in a big moment, Monday Night Football playoff, and then recover for a career-high game is pretty cool of what it says about his mental fortitude. And um I, was, I also wanted to hear your thoughts on the offensive line in this game that we knew that's a big storyline about the Eagles in general is just kind of their front can be so strong on both sides of the ball. They can end up being such a physical team. And we did, again, see that first matchup, very few yeah. <laughs> running yards, very few things that were going to be the big indicators of how the offensive line would perform. What did you see from that group in this game? Well, I already talked about the um, uh, about Tristan and Luke and how mm-hmm. well they did in um, pass protection. And overall, even though Baker got sacked four times, um, he was only pressured nine times, which isn't terrible in 40 dropbacks. Nine pressures isn't that bad. He had he had time to throw most of the time. And like I said earlier, it didn't matter that much anyway because he was getting rid of the ball quickly. But yeah, 29 carries for 119 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. And that wasn't bolstered by any kind of 35-yard run, which often is what you need to get a good average. The longest run we had was 12 yards. We only had two that were at least 10 yards. So they were just consistently getting, uh, you know, a good, a four, a five, Mm -hmm. a six, and that's 
keeps you, as they say, ahead of the sticks, right? Yep. It, it keeps you in manageable third and second down situations. The Bucks were pretty good, 6 of 14 on third down, which is 42.9%, which is good. I mean, it's not off the charts good, but compared to the Eagles, who didn't yeah. convert a single one, which, uh, is, which is amazing. Uh, so I thought the offensive line did a really nice job in that game. And Rashad also seemed like he just ran really hard, even though he also, I think, Baker being beat up kind of overshadowed the fact that Rashad had seemed a little beat up the week before mm. as well. Also seemed like there was maybe a player or two where he was limping a little bit in this yeah. game, and yet still just seemed like he was, especially when you think about it early in the season, it feels like just a different Rashad at this point. He's uh, It was about, I don't know, 60% in the season or something, and, and he was starting to get better results on the ground because they weren't really good early on, even though he was still helping a lot in the passing game. And Coach uh, Canales said something along the lines of, He's figuring. He's more decisive now. Mm. He's he's uh, making the right decisions and making them quickly and hitting where he's supposed to go, following his blocks, going to the seam, he's the lane he's supposed to go to, and trusting that the blocks will be there and just hitting them. Like you said, he, he looks like he's running hard, and I think most running backs run hard all the time. But it looks like that when they are immediately hitting that seam and just like powering forward, right? So they're getting five or six yards, and maybe if you break a tackle, you're getting 10 or 12 or, or something even bigger. So I think decisiveness has made a big difference in his running game, and he's actually been a pretty productive runner for the last you know six, seven weeks. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Buccaneers Total Access. We'll have more coming up to you after this with senior writer and editor Scott Smith, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We are joined by Buccaneers senior writer and editor Scott Smith. Uh, we talked a lot about the offense in that first segment, so now let's dive into the defense for a little bit. First of all, only allowing nine points on the night, tied for the <laughs> second fewest allowed in a postseason contest in franchise history. Um, held them to 0 of 9 on third down, I think 0 of 2 on yep. fourth down. Um, just the third time in team history that you've held a team to zero third down conversions. Like those are some wild stats, particularly to happen in a playoff game. Yeah. What, the, what do you take from that? It was the first time of those three that it was a playoff game. Mm -hmm. And I know Philly struggled down the stretch, but that's still a very productive yeah. offense. And to hold them without a third down conversion, and sometimes that can be a teeny bit misleading because maybe they went for it on fourth down two or three times and made it, so you really didn't get off the field. But they also went 0 for 2 on their fourth yep. downs. And they did not succeed on the brotherly shot. On the touch push, Which I is kind of like a fourth end goal, right? So yeah. uh, it was an incredible performance by the Bucks defense getting off of the field. And it was just, it was a lot of different guys. It wasn't, Levante David was vintage Levante David all over the field. Uh, several tackles for loss, which is what he does. Uh, but otherwise... Is there a guy that really stood out as the star of that defense? I, I don't know. I, I think it was just everybody doing their job, which mm. is what they all, coaches always talk about, especially when you're leading up to a, you know, probably what's an emotional game, a, a tense game. It's a playoffs. It's a win or go home, and this is what you're trying to get. You know, this is where you're trying to be. So I think you could be tense going into that game. And so the coaches are always saying, we don't need people trying to do more than they're supposed to do. Just do your job. And I think this was a good example of everybody on defense doing their jobs. And I think concert. what a boost of morale-wise during the game, like you brought up when they stopped the brotherly shove, and as you look at them stopping them on third down, as much as to your point, yeah, the Eagles did struggle down the stretch, the thing they were always good at was that. <laughs> like that was their bread and butter. Even when all else fails, they were so good in those short yardage 
situations and even their run game and just, you know, again, to hold them to this was a season low for the Eagles of 42 rushing yards. Yeah, crazy. Marks the second fewest rushing yards that we've allowed in a playoff game in franchise history, trailing just the Super Bowl to mm-hmm. the Oakland Raiders, allowing 19. Um, it looked to me also like, especially Coach Bowles had just decided, you will not be running the ball on us. Yeah. We're going to throw whatever kind of package we have to at you. And what did it show you about just what this defense can be and the importance of being able to stop the run as we go into these future playoff games? Well, we talked earlier about uh, how I felt it was a masterful game but for Dave Canales calling the offense. You can say the same thing for Todd Bowles on defense. And not maybe not even the pl- pl- plays called during the game, but the scheme, the the I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, the plan that they had going into the game. Mm-hmm. Because you saw stuff we hadn't done yet. Yeah, We started the game and played about... 15 snaps with a defensive front it was a six-man defensive front there was the two outside linebackers like usual but instead of either three or two down linemen there were four four of them it's incredible will golston started and played a decent amount along with vita vea and kalijah cansey and um logan hall Mm -hmm. and so you had this loaded front you only had one safety on the field of course He's one of the best safeties in the yeah, game. Yeah, he's like having five back there. It's fine. <laughs> and uh, it was an unusual package, and um, it worked. It totally worked. I mean, they really could not get the run established, and then they they stopped trying for for the most part. And it wasn't it wasn't like you mentioned that Oakland. We held Oakland to very few rushing yards in the Super Bowl, right? Um, well, the Buccaneers ran away with that game, and they right? Were, they were winning. Like they are able to, to run. Three. They're yeah. not going to run this. The, Philly was in this game because, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the Bucks had to settle for field goals a few times, even though they were dominating the game early on and scored on each of their first four drives. But three of them were field goals, so Philly was in this game. They had the ball near the end of the first half, down sixteen to three, and you're thinking, man, they could score here, be within a touchdown. They get the ball first in the second half. There's no reason for Philly to give up running the ball, and they were one of the best running teams in the league. And they 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 run the quarterback. Um, they run they they use all their mm-hmm. backs usually. I think they really only got DeAndre Swift and and Kenneth Gainwell involved in this one, but they they want to run the ball, yeah. and they have run the ball very well all season. And and it's clear from using that new defensive front and some of the other things that the Bucks did that Todd Bull said number one. We're stopping the run, and mm-hmm. then we'll see if they can beat us. And and without A.J. Brown, they didn't have A.J. Brown, um, they weren't able to. Yeah. And how did you see that defensive front doing, not just even in the run game, but also, I mean, you get uh, Kalijah and Vita shared a sack. Joe gets credited for a sack, chasing Hurts out of bounds. Greg Gaines gets one at the end of the game, and Anthony Nelson gets pressure that ends up leading to a safety. Um this front wasn't just stopping the run. They also seemed like they were able to get some some decent pressure in there. It was rushing coverage, as they talk about, being hand-in-hand. Hand. And I think a lot, some of those, like the safety, um, which Anthony Nelson doesn't get credit for anything on the play. Which he is gets, terrible. He gets a quarterback hit, I think. Yeah. And a quarterback pressure. But, I mean, I feel like that should be a sack. Yeah. I and feel a, like or rules. even like a safety, somehow to add that to your stat yeah. sheet, that like, I caused a safety. Well, you do. You if, do get if that. If you okay, got good. a sack... It would have been a safety. Right. But instead... A penalty, what? Crappy throwaway that it was obviously a penalty and changes it from a sack to a penalty instead. Yeah. And so the, the two points actually just go to the team and not That's Anthony funny. Nelson. But um, but he knows he did. He knows yes. he made the play and everybody else does too. And uh, that one was one where, you know, that ball was snapped at like the 14-yard line. And we weren't on the goal line. But the coverage was so good. Mm-hmm. And, and um, eventually... Uh, 
Jalen Hurts retreated because of some pressure, retreated into the end zone, but the coverage was still good and he couldn't find anybody and, and Anthony Nelson got to him because he, he doesn't give up on plays. He, he hustles through an entire play. And, uh, and so what I'm saying there is the rush was pretty good, not awesome for uh, most of the game, but the coverage was excellent for most of the game and that helped the pass rush get home. As we look at this defense all year and, and going into the playoffs, first of all, it does feel like it has such a good recipe for playoff success in that you have veterans who have been there before, young guys that are emerging and figuring it out more than they did at the beginning of the season. Um, and then you have a, a head coach who's been your defensive coordinator for years, so everyone's been in his system for a while. But I will say that the pressure has been an interesting thing all year where it came from maybe different places. If you'd said at the beginning of the year that Yaya Diaby <laughs> would be the leading yeah. sack getter, um, how have you felt about the pressure overall and where we're at at this point in the season of trying to get that throughout the rest of this playoffs? I think that the Bucs um, had maybe nine players with at least four sacks, something like that, a team record. And, it, you know, that's coming from safeties. It's coming from off-ball linebackers. It's it's a function, I think, of two things. We've got a couple guys on this team who are really, really good blitzers, like Devin White and Antoine Winfield. And we have a head coach who, the numbers show it year after year, is one of the most aggressive in the league in terms of uh, blitzing or sending different kinds of packages, right? Sometimes you call it a blitz because you see a corner coming, but it's not technically a blitz because there's only four pass rushers because somebody else has dropped in the coverage. But lumping it all together, uh, his blitz rate is, I think, was third in the league, Todd Bowles, that is. And... He he's willing to get anybody involved, and uh, I've heard from the other side, Eagles fans, and and people talking about Eagles fans after this game, and, and stuff on Twitter from like Peyton Manning and and Jay Gruden that I didn't it really didn't stand out to me as so much at the time, but apparently if you were just sitting at home watching this game, you were amazed at how the Eagles could not pick up a blitz. Yeah, and uh, and it's unusual because. That's kind of been a problem for them for a little while now, and you think they might have been able to solve it, and they certainly didn't in this one. So, when like, I think the first time you're going to solve a blitz, it might not be a Todd Bowles blitz. That <laughs> yeah, may not right. be the best one to try to figure out first because it is going to be some weird, creative stuff. But in you there. had to know it was coming. You did know it's it was coming. coming. From somewhere. And they true. have three Pro Bowlers on their offensive line. Mm -hmm. I think Lane Johnson and yeah. Jason Kelsey and. And Landon Dickerson, I think I think all of them have been to the Pro Bowl at some at point. Least or at some point, yeah. When how about our secondary in this game? I felt like there were big plays made by all three corners and yet again mm -hmm. we've seen where even when Carlton and Jamel are healthy, Bowles finds ways to get Zion on mm -hmm. the field because he's just felt like he's been so consistent this year. He had him I think he was at safety and at nickel yeah. and all these different places throughout right. this game. So interesting the same way we talked about kind of the defensive front being a little unique in this game. It looked like it was a little unique in terms of the secondary as well. So what did you see from the secondary overall and, and specifically the corners? Well, we saw, and we talked earlier, how with that loaded front, we were playing a single high safety, and he was the only safety on the field a lot. And uh, so that was different. And like you said, Zion McCollum, Ryan Neal didn't actually take any defensive snaps in the game, and he's been the guy who has started the most next to Winfield. So that was a change. And uh, recently, we'd actually been kind of splitting that position between almost three ways between Zion and Ryan Neal and Kayvon Merriweather, the rookie. And uh, Merriweather only played like two snaps in the game. So Zion McCollum was the guy that when we went out of that jumbo front and went back to a more traditional type of, of coverage, that he was the second one. And he held his own, I thought. He didn't. He had three tackles in the game, but um, I don't know f for sure, but I don't think he had any big busts. And they did have the one uh, pass they hit down the middle of the field. I don't know who that was on, but... Um, 
for the most part, the, the you know, the corners, Carlton and, and Jamel held really well. And like you said, um, Coach Bowles said that when both those guys were healthy, he was going to find a way to get Zion on the field, and he's done so. So it's been that's been one of the best stories of the season, I think, in terms of uh, uh, rising players. Zion McCollum last year had the kind of season you would expect from a rookie, especially a guy taking the fifth round who might be a little bit raw out of a smaller school. Uh, good moments, bad moments. Uh, probably one of the most improved players on our defense, uh, Zion. And that's been a big, big deal because Carlton and Jamel have missed a lot of time between the two of them. And he's not only been able to step in, but he can play left or he can play right, whatever you need. And now we're finding you can put him in the slot, you can play him at at deep safety. And uh, he's just been a really uh, productive and versatile, helpful player to have around. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, we're going to take one more break here. We have one more segment coming up on Buccaneers Total Access here with Buccaneers senior writer and editor Scott Smith. Brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We have the Buccaneers senior writer and editor Scott Smith here with us. And uh, we got to talk about special teams. I just feel like especially recently, but Chase McLaughlin has been such a weapon and just so consistent and reliable. And I can't imagine how nice that is for Coach Bowles and Coach Canales and everyone to know that, like, man, we get anywhere close. We can send this guy out and at least get some points. Have you have you had Keith Armstrong on? Yes. Okay. Did he talk about Chase and say, I want oh, to explain? Yes. Okay, so I can't be accused of being a jinx then. Oh, well, he is very concerned about that. He doesn't like us to talk about stats. No numbers? He's not a huge fan of the numbers. Okay. Um, but at least we can say that one of those field goals was a 54-yarder. Yes, we can say that. that and, that's the thing people a, saw happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new playoff record for the Buccaneers. Yep. Um, and it's the – I'm sorry, i got to throw a couple numbers. Yeah, you can there. do it. I don't think Keith is listening. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I talked about him uh, – we talked about him, I think, on the um, – the insider show mm-hmm. this past week and it didn't jinx him right he made yeah there you three, go okay uh, 48 so fit. i think that means we need to talk about okay. him to stay consistent there you go there we it go it would be a jinx if we did that talk all makes about sense him. so he finished the regular season on a run of 18 in a row and now it's 21 in a row because he made all three and uh, as we said on thursday last thursday he's not just making them; I mean, he kicks it right down the middle mm. you know you're not sweating it out as it's getting near yep. the goalpost that 54 yard was just boom right down the middle and it is such a weapon that if you don't have one of these in the NFL right now, you're really at a disadvantage. I mean, he's not the only one. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he he was 29 of 31, set a Bucks record with a 93.5 um, field goal percentage in the regular season, and finished like seventh in the league. You know, and then you got Brandon Aubrey, the rookie in Dallas, didn't miss until the last week and was making him from 60. You know, there's good eight to ten teams that have a weapon like Chase McLaughlin right now, but that means there's a lot of them that don't. Mm-hmm. And so, and the Bucks did not have that. They had a very reliable kicker for the previous three years in Ryan Suckup, and he did a great job and is a Super Bowl champion. But by the end, he he couldn't be counted on to make the long field goal. Right. Yeah. Now you send him out. You send Chase out there. He's had now six field goals of 54 yards or farther, and has has made them all. Yeah, it's incredible, and it's just such a great thing to have in the playoffs. It gives you such confidence. Um, so he's got more 55 or farther field goals this season than any other kicker has had in their Buccaneers career. Wow. That's quite a stat. I like that one. <laughs> um, all right. So let's look ahead to this Lions game. First of all, I know this was something that we have talked about. I think it was on our playoff preview show we did. Um, how many playoff games in a row now are a regular season matchup for the Buccaneers? Isn't that weird? So. Bucks made it back to the playoffs in 2020. That was their first time since 2007, and their very first opponent was Washington, mm-hmm. and that was not a rematch. Since then, they've played eight straight games, 
that were rematches of a game played in the regular season. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like uh, we played New Orleans after the Washington game and we'd lost to them twice mm -hmm. and then we won. And we played Green Bay. We'd already beaten them in the regular season. We beat them again. We played Kansas City. We'd lost to them, but it was a pretty close game at the end. We beat them. And then the next year you got uh, you start off with Philly. That was a rematch. And Dallas. And it, oh, was that the no? It was Philly in twenty one. Yeah. Oh, okay, twenty one. And then yep. the second game was the Rams. Yep. Was a rematch, and then Dallas, Dallas was a rematch, year. and we'd beaten them, but then we lost. And then this so year, bizarre. Philly's a rematch. We lost to them, but then won. And now we're going to play Detroit, and it's a very similar. Well, in one way, it's similar because it was way back in week six. The Bucks are a lot different than they were then, and I think they're much more equipped to hang in that game after losing twenty to six. Uh, the difference, though, is that Philly kind of cratered at the end, and, and Detroit's doing great. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be tough. But yeah, it's a rematch, and the Bucks didn't do much on offense in that game. Uh, so you know, I think they'll have a much better chance to keep up in a shootout this time around. So yeah, do you think that this is a game that could potentially be a shootout? I know that the Lions' offense has definitely shown that they can be pretty prolific. Yeah, and you know, twenty points that we gave up to them wasn't bad, especially against a really good offense like that. They are. The thing about it, you look at their offense and, and you, you don't find a lot of weaknesses. They've got a fantastic offensive line, just like the Eagles do. Um, maybe maybe the best in the league. they got two pro bowlers on that line. Um, they run the ball well. I think they're top five in both running and I think they're second in passing. They're great in the red zone. They're great on third downs. There's not a lot of weaknesses if you look at it statistically. So they, they have four guys on that offense that have double-digit touchdowns, which I think is incredible. Four different guys have wow. 10 or more touchdowns. Wow. And Jared Goff... Is playing the best ball of his career. He's one of the best stories of the whole season. Just beat the Rams. Uh, so poetic. Yeah. Script so. writers did a great job on that <laughs> they one. They really did. So uh, it was a good weekend for that kind of thing. Especially yes. Green Bay going to Dallas. Yeah. Again, McCarthy. those script writers working overtime. Uh, yeah. Um, we're talking to Buccaneers senior writer and editor Scott Smith. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the specific people on their offense as well. I mean, Sam Laporta, what a rookie yeah. year he's had. And you have Amon Ross, St. Brown. You got. Their running back duo, Montgomery and Gibbs. We know Jared Goff definitely has played, has been kind of the best version of himself, I think, in recent, you know, games mm -hmm. and years with the Lions. And then he's got a lot of really potent weapons that the Bucs are going to have to yeah. be keeping an eye on. He's, Jared Goff is best when he just stands back there in the pocket and fires away. He's not um, particularly mobile. And like most quarterbacks, he's not as good under pressure by a pretty noticeable margin. But their offensive line is so good that it's really a problem for them. And they have so many weapons. I mean, you talked about Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he had 1,500 receiving yards. Didn't make the Pro Bowl. Ridiculous. He, he had the Antoine Winfield experience because he was a first-team All-Pro. Yes, yeah. Um, and I'm sure there people were like us and standing on the table, pounding the table yes. for him. Uh, you know, they, they have the uh, – you, you talked about Laporta. Rookie tight ends don't do what he did. Mm -hmm. it's, it's famously the one position where you rarely see a big impact from a rookie. 89 catches, I think, for 889 yards or something and 10 touchdowns. Uh, that's a huge season for a rookie yeah. tight end. And it was a really, really talented tight end class this year. A lot of teams picked up guys that have been helpful for them, like Dalton Kincaid and Luke Musgrave. But he kind of emerges the best one. And it's part of just a really, when you look back at it a couple years from now, you're going to look at this Detroit draft class and go, man, they nailed it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got Jameer Gibbs looked awesome. Brian Branch uh, has been awesome. He was a second-round pick. Laporta, they're just getting a ton out of that rookie draft class. And it's really taken that offense that was really good over the second half of last season and taken it to another level. So you've got the 
two-headed backfield with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, and they both went over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. They both went over 10 touchdowns. They can really run it at you, and especially with that offensive line. So whereas I think you went into this Philly game, especially with A.J. Brown out saying, if we stop the run, we have a really yeah. good shot of shutting them you down. You can't say that with the Lions. Not sure yeah. that's the case with the Lions. Yeah. I, I do feel good about it, especially when a team, one of their biggest offensive weapons is their tight end. I tend to feel really good about that, knowing how good Levante David is in some of those coverage situations on tight ends, one of the few people that can keep up and be physical enough and do what he needs to do, especially if it's the second time around. That I feel like there were a couple times that maybe Levante – you know, didn't make some plays he would have wanted against Laporta mm-hmm. in our first matchup. Mm-hmm. So my money is always on Levante, particularly when he gets a second <laughs> shot at somebody. Um, so how about just as you look at this game, what do you think are, are going to be the biggest keys? As you said, it's you can't just say, oh, stop the run. Like so, some of these games, it feels a lot more simplistic to right. pick a key to winning the game. What are the things that you remember about the first matchup that might be similar or different that you say, all right, if we do X, Y, Z, I think this is what it's going to take. I think it's I think a lot of it's going to come down again to the um, how the creative play calling that Dave Canales is, is showing as the season has progressed and um, having answers to whatever Detroit throws at you defensively. And obviously, keeping Baker Mayfield um, clean is important. He's probably going to be, he'll be healthier by then, and maybe those issues won't be that much of an issue. But you still don't want him taking a lot of hits, and you can see you see what he can do when he's got the time to throw the ball, and also keeping those sight lanes clear for him because he's not the tallest quarterback in the world. We've seen some balls batted down over the course of the season. So, you know, just keeping that pocket clean and those those lanes open so he can operate. And uh, I, I said, I, I know I said going into this Philly game that I, I was of the opinion that Mike and Chris were going to have to have big games, at least one of them, for us to win. And it didn't really happen, right? You talked about it earlier. They really tried hard to take those guys away. They, they obviously contributed a good amount, but um, you had to go to Kate Ott and you had to go to David Moore and guys like that. So uh, I still think, though, going into this one, that for the Buccaneers to keep up with a Detroit offense that can score a a bunch, even against a good defense like Todd Bowles' defense, if you're going to keep up, you probably need some big plays from those two guys. All right, we've got about two minutes left. So I would love to think about just looking at this season, big picture, where you think this team is at in terms of how important it is in the playoffs for a team to be peaking at the right time and the things that tend to make a team successful in the playoffs as compared to a regular season. What are those things that you see the Bucks doing of why this is a team that people counted out at the beginning of the year but seem to be in the right spot now? Well, if, if I were Todd Bowles, I think the way I would answer this question from listening to him talk a lot is do you, you want to be the team that makes the fewer mistakes. Um, and that was definitely the case against Philadelphia, uh, although neither team turned the ball over. Turnovers, you could ask this question to any analyst before any game, and they could just answer it simply by saying, you know, turnovers. Right. Um, but so to get a little deeper into it than that, um, on offense, again, uh, you know, not making mistakes. Uh, Baker Mayfield playing within the system, but but taking the shots when he's got the shot. And really, honestly, against Philadelphia, he did that perfectly because there were a couple – what could have been really big plays that were dropped. So he took the shots at the right time. They didn't necessarily work. And then he took what the easy stuff, too. And so he needs to do that. And then on defense, I mean, finding a way to generate some pressure because that's really what you need to do against Jared Goff. And they, they, he's got just got so many weapons that if you are letting him stand back there and fire away, it could be a long afternoon. And I think it's so good seeing them have this underdog mentality, right, that I, I feel like this mm. is really suits this Buccaneers team oh, and, sure. Baker. and Baker. And I have to wonder if maybe that's kind of a good thing going into the Detroit that they've been on such an emotional high recently of the whole winning their first playoff game and this and that. that In like 30 years. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge deal. And so now it's almost like, what next for them? 
that that's a lot of emotional high whereas the bucks get to just keep coming back in here or you're 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 playing with house money at this right, point, right exactly i mean that's very... their goals are the super bowl obviously yes. but if you were judging this team at the beginning of the year you're you're already beyond where you thought yep which is a great place to be and it's been fun to watch all right well scott thanks as always for joining us My we pleasure. appreciate the insight thanks to all of you guys for joining us on buccaneers total access brought to you by advent health this is buccaneers radio